so much for talking with me today. I love seeing your growth. I love seeing all that you've done and, and all that you're doing right now, which is being an advocate and really helping people. I mean, and- I, I, I hope so. I just, so, so is this podcast. Well, and also you have been through quite the trajectory since we've known each other too. It's kind of interesting. I really love seeing all of my, my friends that I've had for a long period of time, certainly who knew me before television, because it's such an interesting arc to see where we've all wound up, especially because you and I are the same age. And this is a really interesting moment in life. And a lot of women that I know are sort of pivoting in a particular way, sort of the way we are. And I think that, um, it's it's a, a fascinating moment. It's it's a very interesting moment to be. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't use the term middle age pejoratively. It's like we are. We're sort of in the middle of age um, in the this moment in time, in this technological revolution, in the moment of too much content and no clarity. It's a very weird time considering our backgrounds and what we grew up understanding is sort of like completely smashed to smithereens. Completely. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I agree. It's, it's fascinating. So what, what do you believe? (laughs) Um, (laughs) What do I believe? I believe in a, I believe all sorts of things, but what I really believe right now, um, and I think it's important to talk about this moment because we are, in an unprecedented situation in the world. Um, I believe that there is so much to be learned and so much that we can do during this time of collective grief and trauma. Um, I think that coming out of this is not gonna be easy. I think that um, our, our mental health has been really tested by this entire situation. Um, I think that there is fear and there's anger and there's a lot of emotions that come up, especially when we've been in isolation and we're not, we don't have things to distract ourselves. But I keep thinking, well, what, what can we get out of this? What is, what is the thing that could kind of not just save us from this situation, but at least kind of give more meaning and depth to this moment? Um, And what I keep coming back to is this idea that Everybody in the world is in the same position. We are all in this kind of universal reset that nobody in their lives has ever had the time to actually just take without worrying about, you know, money, which I think is going to be an issue going forward without being able to do anything to fix anything else except just stay where you are. And a lot of people will say, well, go deep. And yes, I believe go deep, you know, work on yourself, whatever that means to you. But what I love is the idea that with this time, we could think about the way we want the world to be, not just for ourselves, which is the inner work that maybe a lot of us are kind of preoccupied with doing, but the work of what it would mean to see the whole world in a different light. And this is when we have this moment to kind of literally rethink all of the sort of processes, structures, infrastructure, things that have been in place for as long as we've known them to be, and think about how we could change them. I mean, look at what all these people sort of sheltering in place has done for climate change, right? That is a clear lesson. We need to think about 
universal health care. We need to think about the way we, uh, you know, conscious consumption, what that means for supply chains and fair labor practices. Um, you know, we're seeing such a, a huge difference in terms of socioeconomies and who's getting COVID and who isn't. We need to think about people of color and indigenous people actually really suffering much more than white people in this country. There are so many things that we could think about in the way that we could possibly do them differently or even better. And that's something really exciting to me because whether or not we get there, this is the moment to dream big. Yeah. Why not? We've never had this kind of time. So why not dream everything you wish could be true in the world? Because even if we never get there, at least you have intention once we come out of this to try something new, to point ourselves in a different direction, to have the compass point in, in a, a true north, you know, in, in what's in sort of... Um, What's the best way to describe it? True North is in what your what your heart desires, what your heart desires for yourself and for the world, for your friends, for your family, but much bigger than that. We can think really big. We can dream really big right now and see what kind of lasting impact that has on the world once we're able to kind of, you know, socialize again, once we are able to kind of be together. It's clearly going to be in a new way, certainly until we have a vaccine. But how we want to treat each other, what we want to do for each other. This is the moment because it's the first time we can all relate to the same thing. And I think it makes it much easier to um, think about helping not just one person, not just yourself, but lots of people when you can yeah. relate to what they're going through. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you. It was a long You're answer. I apologize. <laughs> No, it's a beautiful answer. And you're right. I mean, that's, that's, it's a phenomenal answer to think blue sky, like you said, and think about what, you know, what is the perfect end to this like crazy situation? What could we walk out of this, you know, into, you know, right. something, something better and it's not going to be easy, but, but, but you're absolutely right. I mean, how are you dealing with this on a day-to-day -day basis? And how is your, how, how has your mental state been throughout yeah. It's really tricky. I've, I go up and down like everybody else. I mean, I certainly feel very much affected by the weather. You know, I feel like I'm, we're highly tuned now to smaller things because we don't have noise and work and, you know, responsibilities in the same way right now. Everything's been sort of put on pause. So it's like you hear, you know, you, know, you can't get outside your head. You think differently. You feel things differently. So when it's cloudy, I kind of like get depressed. And when it's sunny, I'm like, let's go for a walk. You know, it's like the best thing to ever happen. But I also feel like I went through a phase where when this first started, I felt an incredible sense of relief because for somebody like me, who's kind of confused, not, not confused isn't the right word, but sort of at a crossroads for what I'm doing professionally. Um, and, and personally, I think that there was this moment of, oh, phew, now nobody can do anything. And I, I don't have to feel guilty that I'm not like, you know, working 24 hours a day because nobody's able to. And there was that huge sense of relief in a way um, that I felt like I was on vacation. Like all I, I was drinking and eating whatever I wanted and watching movies and just so like excited to have this pause. The longer it went on, though, I think it really occurred to me like, won the gravity of this whole thing. You know, at first I was sort of treating it like, ah, eh, it'll be over soon. Only to realize that this is like so incredibly serious. We've lost so much life and, and, and it got scary. 
it got really scary. And then there was this moment of, I should be doing something. I should be writing the next great novel. I should be designing a clothing collection. I should, I should, I should. And this idea that you must create magic in this moment will drive you insane. So that started to get tiring in and of itself. But I feel like I went from, ooh, this is great. You know, I'm on vacation to the world is falling apart and feeling like chicken little, like the sky is falling down to this moment of, well, what am I doing to make everything better? I'm going to regret not having done anything with this time um, to realizing that like none of these things are helpful. Yes. And that being gentle with yourself, particularly right now is essential for survival. And so uh, you know, I try to do things that bring me a little bit of joy. There are days when that's just not possible. Um, you know, I said to my girlfriend the other day, like, I don't want to color anymore and I don't want to read a book and I don't want to do anything. And right. there's, there, <laughs> there is a part of me that's like, you just have to honor that instead of beating yourself up for everything. But also just naturally, I think I went from that very lazy stage to now I'm like, oh, I want to exercise every day. Oh, you know, now I want to, I want to read this book. Like things naturally come up that are desires rather than forcing desire on myself. I love it. That's the, it's true. I mean, I think a lot of people are starting to feel that pressure. Um, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people went into this feeling that pressure and it's exhausting. We put so much pressure on ourselves to begin with. And this is just another way to do that. And look, some people are going to come out of this with like great new careers, or they will have come up with some brilliant idea, but not everybody. And that's okay too. You just, it's this idea that we're forced in this situation to come out with something extraordinary because these are extraordinary circumstances doesn't make sense. That's just not what's happening. And we're not taking into account our mental health. We're not taking into account the fact that there is true trauma here and that there's going to be PTSD after this. Um, and some people are paralyzed and th that doesn't mean they should be doing anything else than just caring for themselves. Absolutely. And, and what, what, what a time for, for your podcast could be yeah. that. Yes. So my podcast is called Could Be Better TBH. And it was um, the reason that it's called that is like if somebody texted you and said, how are you? And you're like, mm, could be better. Um, and I, it's a podcast that I did in conjunction with Crisis Text Line, which is a crisis um, texting service, 24 hour seven service um, that trained counselors can talk to you if you're feeling anxious, depressed, whatever it is. If you need somebody to talk to and you can't afford therapy and you don't feel comfortable sharing with uh, friends or family, this is a great, great resource. Um, and the Jed Foundation, which is about suicide prevention in mostly in young people. Um, and sadly, that statistic is getting younger and younger. But in collaboration with them, we came up with this podcast, which was really to talk about mental health in all of its guises and talk to people who have been through things, how they've come out of them, who are going through things, how they cope with them, what sort of the data suggests, what um, researchers think, uh, and, you know, just a lot of firsthand accounting. And partly, you know, that is very important to me because definitely in the last five years and certainly um, losing my father, I have dealt with grief that is not just grief. I mean, grief is very difficult, don't get me wrong, but I think it's been grief that that really um, sparked uh, depression. And I, looking back now, I think that I've always sort of 
had moments of depression. I've had periods of my life and anxiety that I never really addressed until um, grief became almost unbearable. And so now, you know, talking about mental health, talking about emotional health, it's a little bit, it, it feels like a, a little bit, um, a lot to disclose uh, about me personally. But it's not really different from what I was doing before. I mean, I've never been like a fashion icon. I feel like I'm a fashion counselor. And I talk about clothing in relationship to self-esteem and emotions and the way that we view ourselves. So this is really just an extension of that. It's really just um, talking about emotional health and mental health without the clothes. Yeah. Well, I have to say, in terms of authenticity, you are the most authentic person I know and 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 Stacy London real yes Kendall and it is the truth you are real and I know you off off you know aside from you know all the this the, the the you know public forum and 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 I see you know obviously what you do um in public and it is truly authentic um talk to me a bit a bit about that in terms of being in the public eye and sort of having to balance all of that and, and still be true to yourself. I mean, how, yeah. how have you dealt with that? Well, you know, it's funny. When I, when I first started What Not To Wear, I was very tense all the time about being on camera, right? I was like, I'm an expert. I, you can't make fun of me. I took myself very seriously. I didn't see any humor in anything. I was like, people are counting on me to be an expert. And I really took myself so seriously. And at the time, I thought that that's what people needed. I mean, the, the birth of uh, unscripted TV was like, we were looking to people to be experts. And over the course of, you know, since 2002, so we're talking 18 years, we've changed. We've changed as a society. We've changed in what we, you know, unscripted television is basically scripted television these days. And it's not at all about how to anymore. We were this how-to culture. The birth of uh, unscripted television was about how-to, how to dress, how to design your bedroom, how to do things. And that's why, you know, uh, the What Not To Wear was on the Learning Channel. It was, we were teaching you things to learn, but that's not where we are now. We've come, and, and really, I think it's out of unscripted television came the rise of the blogger, and then the influencer. But that went from an expert who had at least 10,000 hours worth of experience. I probably have several hundred thousand hours worth of experience. That makes no difference in today and the way people sort of consume fashion or are interested in style it has nothing to do with whether people are an expert. It's everything to do with me too. So instead of expertise, it's about shared experience. So if you like somebody who's an influencer, you like their style, it's because it's sort of a self-confirming bias. You like them because they speak to you or your style is similar. And it's a very different way to relate than it, an expert does to a client or to just, you know, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, a civilian, a non-expert. Um, expertise is not valued in the same way. I mean, obviously, it's something that you want in like a pilot. But when it comes to things like, you know, style, more and more and more, people have their own voice. They don't need to be told what to do. They want to share in what to do. And they also, um, you know, they may have questions every once in a while. They may want advice about certain things. But really, it's much more a time for self-expression than it is for um, any kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, 
like an authority. It's not a like oh, right or conforming. conforming. It's not you're not we're not yeah. looking to authorities. We're not looking to conform. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. more and more fashion and style naturally has become about self-expression. And the way that we want to share that expression is not through experts, but through shared experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's basically sort of both been the trend of a younger generation, but also because of technology and the way that we can all have our own channels. We can all talk to people. There's, there's an immediacy that, you know, you didn't have with television that you couldn't stream or binge watch that you only got marathons or, you know, whatnot where it was on Friday nights, you would wait to toward to Friday to, to watch us. So I think that there's just a difference in the way we communicate in the way that we use our visuals in the way that, um, you know, immediacy has taken the time and effort of expertise away. We don't need expertise because time doesn't matter in the same way anymore. You can literally have anything at your fingertips in three seconds if you Google it, if you get on your uh, social media accounts. It's a very, we're not, there's no delay in um, uh, the way that we express information. You were just chatting about turning 50. Right. And all the expectations. Which is very different from turning 40. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, not for nothing, but it's like one of those, like, I remember when I was about 35, I realized that I, like at 30, 30 was great, whatever. It didn't really affect me one way or the other. I was like, okay, fine. I'm 30. But by the time I was 35, I had this real sense that I hadn't even come into my power, that I was like looking forward to 40, knowing that 40, like everybody was like, oh, 40, 40 is the end. 40 was the beginning for me. 40 was like, I I was so uh, sort of, you know, on a roll is the only way I can describe it. Like I felt like I was doing important things. I felt like I was doing good work. I looked better at 40 than I did at 30. I just felt stronger and so much, um, so much more in touch with who I was as a person at 30. I felt like I was an amoeba. Like I was just, you know, not self-reflective and, and really, uh, unself-aware and 40 felt very different. And, but 50 is different. 50 is harder. I don't look as good at 50 than I did at 40. I don't feel the same kind of purpose and direction. And maybe some people do. But for me, to have this sense of disconnection with myself or, or where I'm going and turning 50 feels like a, a powerful combination. We used to be like, okay, you go to school, you get a job. Maybe you get married and have kids, you get a promotion, you move to another place, you wind up with the corner office, you retire, you go to Florida, whatever it is. But now there is no set path. We don't need uh, offices to work as we've seen during this crisis. We don't need uh, kitchens to eat food because we can order from every delivery service (laughs) in the planet. We don't need, we don't date the same way. We don't meet people in at parties or bars. We, we meet them on online. It's just such a different world. And for somebody that, um, I mean, I'd like to think that I've adapted as much as I can adapt without, um, without being inauthentic, without sort of, you know, buying into what everybody else is doing just because everybody else is doing it um, and being, you know, true to who I am and also being able to hold on to the things that I do love about the way that I grew up. Looking at the next phase of life, 
and thinking about, okay, well, you know, this is, who's going to take care of us? You know, like we've been really good about taking care of our, of our parents. And it is a question. It's a huge question. And we live in a society that unfortunately they don't take care of the elderly very well. Um, you know, Although that's country. something that I would like to change. If that, that is one thing that I have thought about a lot. Um, I think that I mentioned this to you once before, but one of the books that really helped me when my dad was sick was called Being Mortal by Atul Gawanda. I read who, this. Oh my God. Amazing book. Yes. Amazing book. So um, they, he uh, has established an organization called the Ariadne Group, mm. and they work to create uh, better living experiences for the elderly and the way we treat the sick. Um, you know, we are a busy society. We, we, don't, we don't take care of those who can't keep up. We, we just don't. We, we don't, um, you know, stop by the roadside to help the people who need us. We just don't. And I don't know whether that comes from, you know, this uh, work ethic that Americans have or uh, capitalism, but people who aren't able to care for themselves either because of chronic illness or because of age, we need to come up with a better system for them. And uh, he is definitely leading the charge in that regard. And and honestly, after I finished that book, I was like, I want to work in palliative care. What can I do in palliative care? Because I think we need to create a place where the ill and the elderly feel like they're in a community and not isolated and alone. And certainly our nursing homes are doing nothing of the kind. Nothing, nothing. I mean, my, my 86-year-old mother is home alone. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, we're all sort of worried about going to see her. I mean, she has sure. problems, but you know, it's like, mom, so they cannot walk inside. They can bring you groceries. They can, but they cannot come inside. What do you mean? You know, the elderly, we're all, we're like the forgotten people, the elderly, we're, 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 we're alone to begin with. And now we have to be even more alone. And I, yeah. I breaks for her because we're all just so paranoid that we're going to make her sick. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, look, I, I think that I think the fact that what your mom says is true, you know, the elderly are isolated to begin with. Yeah. And and in some ways that may, maybe they're they are prepared to deal with this. But in other ways, I think that it makes them feel even more isolated. And I don't know what the answer to the question is. I really don't. In some ways, I think, you know, obviously your mom is very lucky. She's home and not in a home. Yeah. Um but I really, you know, I really don't think that we, again, maybe I haven't thought about this because it wasn't real to me before I was 50 or before my dad passed away, how broken our healthcare system is and how broken, you know, it, our society is in the way we think about the elderly. We don't respect elders and we don't, um, you know, think that they're wise. We don't take them in to live with us anymore. I mean, very rarely some, some people do, but it's not the norm, uh, the way it is in a lot of other countries. And it's, I'm not saying that that's what we need to do. I don't know what the solution is. I just know that as I'm aging, I care about age and I care about people who are older than me. You know what, Stacey London, I do feel your best work is yet to come. And I'm I'm so thrilled for you and for all that you're doing. And you know, I just you know I'm your biggest fan. So I, Well likewise my dear. Yeah. Thank you. And this, the, I mean, I just love that you're doing this. I think that this new phase of your life is so exciting and this podcast ex is so exciting. And I, I mean, you know, I, I really do 
one of the things that I keep saying, or, or at least it's sort of been formulating in my head, so I've been talking about it a little bit, is this idea that, you know, turning 50, that you face yourself in a completely different way, right? I think at this stage of life, we know ourselves, we kind of know our strengths, maybe our weaknesses, what we could work on, what we, we you know, we feel we're over, how we want to change things, how we want to pivot. But at the same time, I really do believe this is a complicated moment in life for every woman. But what I think is important for women is that, you know, a lot of the way we internalize how we feel about ourselves is through a male gaze and is through this like kind of societal gaze. And at 50, there's this moment when you just feel like you're broken off from that. And you have to see yourself in a new light. But breaking away from 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 sort of cultural norms is is not easy and it's also a little bit painful. So, you know, I keep saying we have to have everybody has this moment of sort of midlife crisis. In fact, I found um, research that says that um, women between 45 and 54 are usually the most depressed of any age group of women because it's the biggest life transition. You're not young and you're not old, quote unquote, you're somewhere in the middle and your body is changing and your opinions are changing. And suddenly you don't feel as avant-garde as you once did. And you're more traditional because of, you know, just age, time, whatever. I believe that it is a really painful transition. I don't believe it's an easy one. I, so I believe that there is a midlife crisis that you must have in order to have a midlife renaissance. And it is coming to terms with all of the things that have changed and, and having radical acceptance that is sort of what that crisis is all about. And that is not easy. And I don't claim to have an easy time with it at all. But I believe there is something on the other side of that. And it's why I keep saying that in my 50s, I'm really just trying to figure this shit out. So by the time I'm 60, I'm really raring to go. Yes. I love that. Oh, man. But I agree. I agree. I mean, not only, you know, when you're younger, you have to deal with, you know, you know, your hormones on, on that level. And then you get to our age and it's a whole other set of problems with hormones. Whole other set of problems. And I mean, you know, from my, my uh, thing at Joe's pub that I like, I do not understand why menopause is like so difficult. Why can't it just be easy? And why don't we have menopause parties? Why don't, why don't I get to register for my menopausal <laughs> moments? Like I want to, you know, I feel like for, for especially, you know, this is something that like, why the mood swings, why the waking, why the insomnia, why the memory fog, why can't it just be like, no, I don't have to worry about having kids yeah. now. My yeah. body is my own, you know, <laughs> and then like celebrate with balloons I know. and presents <laughs> and lots of presents. I know we should, we need, and why isn't there a day of, of not having a kid day? Why is there a yes. and not having, why are we not celebrating ants day? Or, I mean, why don't we have... Or just not mom day. Or just not... You know, we have Mother's yeah. Day. We don't have no mother, you know, yeah. not Mother's Day. We have not Mother's Day. Why don't... Why why not? Because it, well, it's... Well, again, these are all traditional roles, right? Yeah. And I think that one of the things that, you know, at least... I it, One of the things that I do think is truly happening and, and also is a product of um, technological communication is that people who felt marginalized or felt othered... Um, 
have been able to find their communities and have been able to be much more vocal than they were before. And so conversations like the one that we're having about why aren't there these things? Why aren't we celebrating women at a certain age? Why aren't we celebrating? Those platforms and those women are, are literally banding together to talk about this stuff. And, you know, it's the same, it's the same in, in, in regard to a lot of different things, but that's why I think it, this, you know, whether it's a podcast or you're um, following certain people on social media, it's a place to feel seen. It's a place to to truly connect, even if it's virtually, it's to have somebody understand you. And so, you know, you and I have so many things in common, but this isn't necessarily a conversation I would have with somebody else. It's one that I know I can have with you and women like us will gravitate towards that. Yeah, absolutely. Community. Yeah, for sure. Community is important. It's important. And I think that, you know, this idea of alone together is complicated, but there is a lot of good that can come out of a, a online community and online platforms and, and, um, and social platforms, as well as the need to connect with people in real life and, you know, to be able to create your tribe. I think it's super important at any age. Um, and, you know, if nothing else, that's certainly another thing that COVID is teaching us, you know, how precious it is that we get to spend time together. I mean, you know, I'm lucky that I have my girlfriend and my dog and I can hug them. But for people who are alone and who like can't get hugs, like I just want to give out free hugs as soon as we're allowed to. Well, I'll be up first in line because okay, I good by myself. But yes, I, I do agree with everything. And I, you know, COVID is, has, it's been shine it's shown a light on, you know, your friendships, your relationships with your family, you know, your relationship to your work. I mean, it, it's, it shines a light on so many issues on so many things. Um, yeah. And I've learned a lot and you learn who your friends are really. A thousand percent. Yeah. I think you, you not only, you know, it's not even a question of <laughs> learning who your friends are. It's very funny. I saw um, Gary Janetti posted this thing on Instagram that said, um, COVID has basically taught me the people that I know I never need to see again in my <laughs> life. Like, you know, it just, it sort of eradicates the unnecessary. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think that's actually pretty important. I think that being able to eradicate a lot of noise and a lot of um, unnecessary mishigas that we, you know, kind of concern ourselves with all the time, um, this strips that away. And I think it makes us look a lot harder at where we are and what we want. And again, and like what could possibly come out of this rather than, you know, it's back to usual. I, there is no normal. I mean, there, there's no old normal. Right. It's not like things are going to go back to any form of normal that we've seen before. And I think that that means that we are going to have to adjust priorities. And this is, again, the perfect time to do that. It's not necessarily saying that all of your values are different, but what what would you want to change if you could change it? I mean, now is that is that moment in the world where it's actually possible. It is possible. Well, I'm excited. I love that. I love that you said that. And I and I I feel like this is definitely the. uh, the subject of the podcast and and the message, you know, um, that is, you can change your life and you can change the world. And like what you said, think about it. You have the time to do it, you know, take, take time away from your family. If you can, um, try to meditate, do something, sit with yourself. I think that's really hard. You know, I think that for a lot of people, we, we give that advice to people 
even in their daily lives, right? Even, even before COVID. But this is an unprecedented opportunity. And so it's not, you know, yes, to, to, for stress and mental health, absolutely. Do the meditating, dance, you know, to your favorite songs, watch your favorite show, hug your dog, whatever it is. But those are things that we would also tell people to just, you know, find gratitude in every day before this happened. I think that this is bigger. This is, you know, all of those things still apply. But on top of that is the possibility of thinking bigger. And it's not just about like, you know, centering yourself. It's actually allowing for big thoughts, not just thoughts that are about getting quiet and hearing your own voice. This in a way is almost like, yes, hear your own voice, but apply it to a much bigger standard. And I don't know, you know, I mean, chances are we'll have a vaccine and eventually this will be a moment that we talk about that happened in history. But because of that, I feel like this is so singular and unprecedented. Our approach to what our life looks like after this should be just as singular and unprecedented. And I don't know what that looks like for everybody. I just think that it's possible. Oh, for sure. Thank you. You're right. It is possible. Ah, you're. Ah. 